You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower related adaptations. You can find more of our work at, at, <laughs> you can find more of our work at towerjunkiespod.com and follow us on every level of social media at towerjunkiespod and also check out more of our podcasting at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today is Tiny. Hi, Tiny. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? We're finally here. We are finally here. Like this, <laughs> this we have had a cursed, a cursed run. Yes. Uh, as you guys will notice, uh, our last episode was what a few weeks ago, probably. If that. If that, yeah. Uh, okay. Oh Jesus! It's been a couple months because I don't think we've recorded in over a month. Yeah. Together. It's, oh yeah. So our first episode reviewing Castle Rock was. <laughs> Well over a month ago it was August seventeenth. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, as of this recording, we are recording this on September twenty sixth. And if you remember, in between, like after after the Castle Rock review, we did we took a week to talk about our top nineteen Stephen King novels. Right. Um. So our last episode on the feed was August twenty fourth. One month and two days. Yes. <laughs> so sorry, guys. Every obstacle. Um... Every like Tiny came down with captain trips yeah <laughs> so i had i had a form of staph infection called MRSA. Mm -hmm. google it if you want to not sleep tonight mm -hmm. uh so that was oh have MRSA. <laughs> yeah don't have MRSA. it's no, horrible i had i had to have the back of my head sliced open and drained i had four antibiotics in my veins yeah. at one time it was not fun um he showed me pictures yeah it's <laughs> it was... it's bad yeah um and then uh, I was on call the week mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. Finally healthy. And I was on call and like, we had plans. I was like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and record. Yeah. And if I get a call, I get a call. I probably won't get one. It'll be all right. And yep. literally 10 minutes before I was going to yep. come over to your house, I got a call. Yep. And had to work till like almost midnight. So. Right. And you had messaged <sighs> me at like 11, uh, like 1130 or something. And like, I was just getting into bed yeah. and you were like, you were like, I just now got home. Yeah. And like, I wanted to say like, Oh, do you want to record? <laughs> <laughs> I would have laughed. Because um, yeah. I almost like it was supposed to be something really quick, and so like, and it was pretty close. It wasn't very mm -hmm. far away, so I was like, I might just like grab my microphone, and if it's over nice. quick enough, like if it's like nine nine thirty, we can mm -hmm. bust out an episode real quick. Oh, absolutely! I, I didn't even leave there Jeez. till after eleven. Didn't get home till eleven thirty ish. Yeah, I was God. Like, yeah, that's too late. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. So yeah, I was I was sick, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, yeah, man. and then. We tried to record last night. Yes. But we couldn't get it worked out because you, you had, uh, some issues. Yeah. Um, Ugh, and just, at that point I was like, yeah, we can, we can push it another day. It's, yeah. it's not a big deal. So it has been a long time coming. It has. It really has. I, so. I would venture to say this is probably the most times we've canceled. I, I think so too. In like, our entire like five year, 
four, yeah. five year, how many years have we five been years. doing this? Five years. Yeah, this is yeah. years. Anyway, five years yeah. of podcasting. Yeah, this is the most. This is the most difficulty we've had. Yes. getting an episode recorded. I think we've canceled recording mm-hmm. at least six or seven times, maybe more than that. Yeah, I would say. I would say maybe. Close to, but probably not over a dozen times in yeah. five years, spread across three different podcasts. Right. Um, but then just in the last month to six weeks, I think we've canceled six, six or seven, maybe even eight times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like made plans and then canceled. Like, yeah, just yeah, sucks. Um, it does suck. It does. But, <clears throat> hey, we're here and uh, – we're here. We're podcasting. Get used to it. Yes. <laughs> That's, I don't, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, by the way, real quick, just completely unrelated to everything going on here. Um, I told you to watch Nathan for you. Have you had a chance to watch it? I haven't watched any of oh, it now. It's so funny, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, so yeah, today, um, we are discussing episodes three and four of Hulu's, uh, series inspired by the work of Stephen King, Castle Rock. Um, finally, you, you guys may know that as the show that ended like two or three weeks ago. Um, <sighs> yeah. Originally we were going to be not that far behind. We really weren't. <sighs> we really weren't. I was so yeah. excited, but. Sorry. Yeah. Blame MRSA. Yeah. It sucked, you guys. Yeah, I'm still on antibiotics, by the way. Like, Jeez. I have to be on antibiotics for the next month, just to yeah. Oh, right, you guys got to go through the right. Jeez. So anyway, yeah. Um, uh, I thought I was. Oh yeah, yeah. Could, totally forgot. Um, if you're in Indianapolis, here in a few weeks at this point, uh, we are going to be hosting our fifth annual Shocktober in Irvington event which is a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers here in Indianapolis. Uh, we basically rent out a venue in Irvington, which is a small community just east of downtown with a very, uh, very colorful and creepy history to it. Um, mm-hmm. And so we rent out the Playground Production Studios. We screen the films. We do Q&As with the filmmakers after each screening. We raffle off prizes, uh, give away gift cards to local businesses. And uh, this year, for the first time, we're going to have a cash bar sponsored by our friend Tony over at geekinginindiana.com and the Indiana Geeking Podcast, who just recently got married. And we were there. Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> married, yeah. Uh, and we were there. It was good. It was a fun time. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Um but yeah, so that is October 12th, 2018 at the Playground Production Studios. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com. That will take you to the Facebook page for Shocktober in Irvington. Tickets are available there. Um, if you have any questions, you know, tweet at us and everything. Uh, but yeah, uh, go ahead and buy your tickets. Come to the, come to it. We are going to have, uh, among several other filmmakers, um, one that's of interest to the listeners of this podcast is Cameron Grimm from five after five productions. He made a short film, uh, that was a dollar baby project from Stephen King, uh, an adaptation of his night shift short story, the man who loved flowers. Uh, that's going to be screening at Shocktober in Irvington. And we do have a couple paperbacks of night shift to give away as well. Um, so yeah, go to sharktobernerminton.com and we can't wait to see you guys there. It's going to be a blast. Also, all of the money we make is going to be donated to the Irvington Historical Society. Uh, we do that every year. We've, at this point, we've 
probably donated a cumulative amount of like over a thousand dollars at this over point, thousand, well over a thousand dollars even. Yeah. Um, so it's always great to uh, to help out that community. So once again, shocktobernervington.com. Be there, please. <laughs> please come. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Tiny, um, let's go ahead and postpone, like, postpone the review for just a little second more. See you in a week. Yep. <laughs> yep see you. All right. Well, good talk. Um, uh, we uh, got to do some check-ins because it's let's been a do while. It. Yes. yes. So, how many Stephen King related check-ins do you have? Uh. Just, sounds, just the one. Okay, that sounds like it said chickens. Like, how many Stephen chickens, King chickens? I like chicken. Oh, okay. yeah, me too. Stephen um, King chicken sounds weird. It it does, yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Um, oh, one thing I can add to the chicken and everything. Um, Mr. King just celebrated his 71st birthday. 71st. Yep. Here's oh, yeah. to another 71. Ah, I know, right? Yeah. I was, I was thinking this might be kind of morbid and kind of messed up. Um, but like we, I think when we did our top 19, we talked about like, oh, the first King book we ever read and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is, this is morbid and like it kind of made me a little depressed and sad. But like, I thought like, oh, it's really cool, you know, think about the, the first Stephen King book. And then I was like, you know, we're pretty young. Yeah. Like there's going to be a time when we talk about the last Stephen King book we read. I did. Yeah. And like that's going to hurt. That is going to be rough. Um, so. We're going to have to do a suicide pact. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was just, I don't know why I thought, like, it's a really morbid thing, and hopefully that's not for many, 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 many years to come. Like you said, another 71 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a weird thing. But I have a few check-ins. Um, I'm going to do two and then let you do one, because I can piggyback off of your one. Okay. So, um, <laughs> uh, despite owning, I believe it's Skeleton, skeleton Crew, um, the short story collection. And mm-hmm. also I, I have a bunch of Stephen King stuff on audible, but I, I, I like having a physical collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have skeleton crew, which is where this, uh, I believe it's where this novella was, was pu- first published. I bought a paperback copy of the mist novella, uh, which you can see right there. Yeah. You. That is, it's from the skeleton crew. It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I own skeleton crew and the mist but uh, but yeah, I, I bought it. I, I want to read it, and maybe that should be the next project we do because we have the novella, the movie, and the TV show. Yeah, I forgot about the um, TV show. Yeah, well, everyone did because it got canceled. Yeah, um, but it did have one complete season, so okay. I think that'd be a fun project for maybe totally. the winter. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm excited for that. Like it's it's like 110 pages, so I think I think that's part of the reason why. Well. Part of the reason why I wanted to buy the paperback was because I mean it's it's small. Like if I if I wanted to read the mist and like I picked up Skeleton Crew, I'm just like okay, well, it just feels like it would be more daunting because I'm weird with my brain. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I'm excited to have the mist. Also, the cover looks really cool. Cool. Yeah. Um. And then my second check in, uh, is really more of just an anecdote. Um. Lately, when when I go to sleep, I like to have like TV shows playing in the background. Hmm. And, um, the recently what I've been doing is, uh, listening to audiobooks in the background, like of books, like not like I've been, I, I have them play as I sleep. Okay. Um, so it's like books that I've listened to or read before. So it's just like a, a comfort thing, I guess. So I've been listening to here and there over the last few days, um, Under the Dome, the audiobook while okay. I sleep. Um, which is, is cool. You know, it's, it's nice and comforting and everything. Although I will say that I did switch it up. This is 
apropos of nothing, but I did switch it up and I was like, you know, what? I kind of want to listen to like thunderstorms instead of under the dome. So I loaded up like a five hour YouTube video of thunderstorm noises and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up four hours later having to pee so badly. <laughs> um, and I didn't realize it until after like five minutes later when I came out of the bathroom. Um, but I, it wasn't thunderstorm noise. It was just rain noises. Oh my God. And like, I remember like my REM cycle being like light enough, I guess that like in my dream, like it was pouring, it was like inception. It was like pouring yeah. down rain the in, <laughs> like in my dreams. So wow, it was weird. Cause like it never, that stuff kind of never happens. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. So those, those are two of my check-ins and then I'll leapfrog with your sure what do you check in do you have tiny uh i have a check-in uh for the book tommy knockers uh the tommy knockers i finished it the other day um yeah it's it's a long book it's longer than i realized i think Mm -hmm. the audio book is 25 hours sounds about right yeah 25 26 hours so um yeah i finally finished it i uh, drive a lot for work Mm -hmm. i've been running out to illinois a lot and it's two hour drive so that's four hours a day whenever that happens so um yeah, I was, I was able to knock it out pretty quickly. Um, I think we're going to talk about it on the podcast. I think so too. After yeah. Pet Cemetery, because we still owe you guys Pet Cemetery. Yes, we, I did. I want to talk about that. So yeah. Um, just my first initial reaction was it was okay. Okay. It was okay. Now you had mentioned in our top nineteen, I think it was that episode that you uh, or a previous episode you mentioned that you were you've always been hesitant to read the Tommy Knockers because of aliens. Did, yes. Did the alien stuff, we can save it for, for later, but like, did that have any effect on you? Did you buy into it or was it, it wasn't scary to me really. Okay. Um, it, I, I don't want to spoil the story or anything, but like, it's not, it's not like a traditional alien story where they're like abducting people or okay. hurting people or anything. So it's similar, similar well, to like how cell isn't a traditional zombie story. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's different. It's like, they're not, it's not really sc- scary in that respect, I guess, mm-hmm. in, in the way that aliens scare me. Okay. Hard to talk about without spoiling it. But, right, uh, right. But yeah, it's it's an interesting story, and I, I think it was okay. It's just way too long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it on the podcast at some yeah. point. Yeah. And uh, on that note, my last check-in is that I started listening to the Tommyknockers. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I'm only like two hours into it. I actually got two hours into it. And then I restarted it because I waited like a week or so. And then I was like, ah, I'm kind of, I didn't spend enough time like initiating my first listen, my, my initial listen, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like I wanted to make sure like I knew everything that was going on. So I restarted it. And then I don't know, like lately at work, I, we have at work, um, I can listen to stuff during the day, mm-hmm. but like we have these little focus rooms that like you can go and be closed off and everything. So like I've been doing that a lot. And I think, I think I might like, Take the day and like just sit in a focus room doing my work and have that playing in my head. Okay. In my headphones for the whole day. So, gotcha. Uh, that is to say, I should hopefully be able to get through the Tommy Knocker soon so we can talk about it on the podcast. All right. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that'll do it for Stephen King check ins. Like we said, we are going to be talking about, uh, Castle Rock episodes three and four. Episode three is, uh, local color. Um, and we are going to go, I mean, we're going to spoil these episodes. Um, so be warned, you are in spoiler territory. Um, the episodes are available on Hulu. And, uh, for those who, for some reason don't know, Castle Rock is based on the stories of Stephen King. The series will intertwine characters and themes from the fictional town of Castle Rock. So as I said, we're going to be reviewing 
Local Color and Episode 4, which is The Box. So first up is Local Color. Um, the episode aired or was uploaded to Hulu on July 25th, 2018. Um, it was the third episode, obviously. Um, and they had their premiere structures that they released the first three episodes all in one go and then did week to week after that. So uh, director for this episode was Daniel Atias or Atias. Um, he has uh, some interesting credits to his name. Did you check into this at all? I didn't know. Okay. So he uh, directed several episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, he directed four episodes of The Wire. And uh, he directed two um, Hurley episodes of Lost. Okay. So, yeah. Um, writer for this episode was Gina Welch, and she was a staff writer for Ray Donovan. And she directed – or she wrote one episode of The Terror on AMC, which is uh, – I've heard good things about it. Okay. I'm not, <laughs> not too familiar with it. Yeah. I think it's another kind of like season-long anthology show. Gotcha. Um, I think the first season has something to do with people in Antarctica or – Maybe not in in Arctica, but like an Arctic camping trip that you know hmm. had terrible uh, um, endings. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, um, the camping trip, not the show. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the description for local color is the past catches up with Molly Strand. Um, so I mentioned in our last review that um, I wasn't sure where. Uh, I think I, I was confused about how Henry Deaver's father died and where he died because Jackie Torrance, um, said that, said that he like implied that Henry had killed his, his dad, but then Henry said his dad died at home and I wasn't sure what it was. And lo and behold, the first scene of this episode is young Molly Strand going into their house and murdering Matthew Deaver. Doing him dirty. Yeah. And uh, that was pretty cool. Also, we should say with the caveat that the original intention of these reviews was to go week to week and review the episodes as we watch them. We have seen the full season. Yeah. <laughs> so, oopsie. Right. But we won't we won't spoil anything past the episodes that we're reviewing. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah. So do you remember how you felt when you saw that you know Molly's as a kid murdered? Henry's dad really shocked. Like I, I, I was wondering if they're going for like ambiguity over whether her character is like good or bad. Oh yeah. You know, I thought they were going for that and I was like, man, I don't know. Is she good or is yeah. she like straight up murder this dude? And I think, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's clever because it also adds a lot of ambiguity to Matthew Deaver. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is he, is he a good guy or is he a bad right. guy? And I think the fact that, um, I, I think it's, it's, clever because it sort of plays with the idea of how we perceive people of the cloth. Right. Because, I mean, you kind of sort of want to assume that he's a good guy or like, yeah. it's like of course he's a good guy. He's a, he's a preacher. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's, you know, because like, uh, that's kind of a good, um, well, a good example of like Hollywood lazy writing. Like, I think, th- I think that the way that, King and, and the producers of the show, but also King in, in the general sense, um, the way that he, uh, depicts, you know, religious people and, and people of the cloth and everything, um, he does it with this twisted kind of way. And I think that kind of subverts our expectations because, you know, you grow up, like if you grow up in a religious household, it's like, oh, you know, 
listen to like like pay attention in church these are good people and everything there's inherently like you're trained that church is good mm-hmm. um tragically if you're catholic but um <laughs> yeah um don't that, get me started yeah <laughs> um but but yeah so like it kind of subverts that kind of thing and like a lazy screenwriter could be like, oh, he's a good person because he's a religious person. Right. Um, well, and plus with uh, the whole love triangle thing, yeah. you know, with uh, Pangborn and uh, Henry's mother, and uh, you kind of, you get, you get yeah. this sense like, it's almost like painting a negative light on mm-hmm. his mother as well. Cause like, well, she yeah. cheated on him and it's like, he's a pastor. It's like, you're a pastor's wife. And right. You know, it's, it, there's all these connotations and mm-hmm. all this subtext and you know, it's, it's like, where, where's this going? Where are they taking this? And it's, it's, it's interesting. The layers and the, and the, like I said, the connotations and the, the, mm-hmm. the, the ideas they kind of mold in these first episodes. Sure. Um, it's, it, I, I kind of appreciate the ambiguity mm-hmm. of it, but, uh, yeah, this, the, the whole Molly pulling the plug kind of, mm-hmm. kind of threw a wrench in things and it was like, holy crap, where are they going with this? Yeah. Cause at this point we've, we've met Molly. We know that she has some kind of psychic abilities and stuff. Right. And we know that there's this history with, with her and Henry, or this, like at that point, it's kind of like a led to believe it's kind of a weird admiration that she has for him and stuff. Right. So we think like, oh, you know, we're gonna get kind of a probably cute, like light, like weird relationship thing with them, or that's mm-hmm. gonna be the that's gonna be the main driving force of the show for them is gonna be that they have this romantic history or this potentially romantic history, mm-hmm. um, or this potentially romantic present based on their mutual admiration in their past or or what have you. But then we're just like, Oh no, 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 no. The drama is going to be that she murdered her, his dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was cool. We'll talk about that in later episodes, I'm sure. Um, and maybe even later in this one, but, uh, I'm going through my notes here, but I do want to mention, uh, there was, there was a really fun kind of, kind of a cute Easter egg. Um, Molly Strand is a real estate agent, and do you remember what her slogan was? I something with king. Yeah, it's uh, "Live Like a King," <laughs> and uh, I thought that was kind of cute. Yeah, um, and it reminded me of like uh, like in the mist. I think the the grocery store was called called like King's Grocery or something, mm-hmm. and then to a lesser extent that really uh and we could go on a tangent about this in a second but uh the under the dome tv show like the second episode has like a a truck driving into a water tower or something but it's like king's whatever okay um which also oh god there there could be so much we could talk about with under the dome because (laughs) if you remember if you and if if you listener are a an obsessive viewer listener like at the beginning of the obsessive viewer the first two episodes we talked a lot about how excited we were we were for under the dome yeah and it's just it's such a pity that under the dome was made in 2013 and not 2018 or 2019 because if they had held off and like hulu got it mm-hmm. like i mean that property like we talked about 5 years ago on obsessive viewer we talked about how it could be the next lost yeah in a way, but had so much potential. It had so much potential, but I don't think television in general was at the at the uh, zenith it is now mm-hmm. um, to allow for for really good adaptations. Right, I um, agree. Yeah, especially network. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. 
so let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the guards and and uh, Zalewski and and Henry kind of talking about uh, the kid. Um, one kind of complaint that I have uh, about well, not really complaint is that in this episode, um, there's a scene with Zalewski talking to one of the other guards. And they're kind of talking about hush money that's being given to them. And like one of the guard is like, um, oh, what are you going to do with your bonus? And then he's like, don't you know, this is hush money so that we don't talk about like the shit that they, that they're doing in here. Mm-hmm. And like it's kind of expounded upon later when he talks to, um, Henry at the bar about how it's like the, the, the prison is corrupt and, and how he needs, he needs, they need to change things. Um, I just feel like that kind of thing, like that uh, characterization or that uh, plot device or plot subplot wasn't wasn't developed enough for me. Like I kind of because it's kind of just a uh, tell don't show thing <laughs> instead of show yeah, don't tell. Right. It's just like oh they're getting hush money. Oh they need to make a change. Mm-hmm. It's like it it kind of felt a little hollow. Did you feel that way at all? Yeah, and and I think the reason is I I agree with that and I think the reason that it feels that way uh that that storyline gets sort of dropped is the fact that they kind of leave the prison. They do. Yeah. Uh, Cuz you know, I mean like <sighs> There's there's an abrupt thing that happens right. with Zalewski eventually, and then like the kid gets out, and so it's like we're just kind of away from the prison. Yeah, and I think you know if you dwelled on that, it would kind of it'd be like you're lingering at Shawshank a little bit too much when there's mm-hmm. not really I don't know. I, I, That's fair. I but but I agree it should have been it should have been expanded on because that's yeah. that's it's interesting conspiracy stuff, you know. And, and I think that may be why I I didn't connect with it that much because. We don't spend a lot of time at the prison. Maybe if the prison storyline like was a few or like an episode or two longer, mm-hmm. like it would it would feel better for me. But you're right; it does come to an abrupt end in the, in the second episode we'll be discussing tonight. But right. Um. But yeah, it's it 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 just that was a minor complaint. But another kind of complaint that I had at that point in the show, I'm gonna sound like a negative Nancy, but um. I I really don't get how Jackie Torrance fits into the story. She is really a Deus Ex Machina. She she is. She really she really is. exists to drive the story along. Mm-hmm. Um, not that she's a bad character. I think she can be kind of refreshing because there's so much. Fucking Henry Deaver is such a downer. Yeah. Like smile, dude. <laughs> right. I mean, like I, I'm not genuinely complaining, but it's just like he's a very kind of a negative distracted kind of character that not that he's not deep, but he's just very, he's, he's not a happy guy. And and I think that's clear and he's, he can really kind of bring you down and she's like the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of appreciate the effect she has on scenes, but I don't understand her greater role in the show. And I, I feel like she's, she's such a, an ancillary character that like, anything they try to do to make her significant is going to fall flat because she's yeah and they kind of they fall into that later in the season too a little bit yeah um i also kind of feel like jackie like we talked a little bit about it in the last episode but um i feel like she's not she just doesn't fit like the tone like she's very plucky and and energetic and and kind of quippy Mm -hmm. um and then also like we don't really know we don't find out like what her deal is until like 
episode five or six probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just in the back of my head, I kind of feel like the, the shining reference is a little too on the nose and, right. and isn't, it's, it's more fan service than anything. Cause it didn't really connect with me, but we'll talk about how that factors in later. But cause I have, I have, I have an ax to grind um about something in <laughs> nice. in uh in the next couple episodes a story she yeah. tells but um, I I think she's kind of uh not comic relief but she's like attitude relief. Yeah. Um, yes, but yes. But I but I I get it. I get it. I totally mm-hmm. get what you're saying about her. She's she's too she's a bit too much of an enigma for the tone that they struck with the show. Yeah. And she, she sticks out like sore thumb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I will say that Jane Levy, I think is the actress's name, I think she still manages to sell it pretty well, mm-hmm. but she does have the weaker, she's kind of the weaker character in terms of, of storytelling and everything. It kind of feels like they don't know um, how, they didn't know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kind of comes into play uh, She's she's helping Molly with with the model of the town, which that was confusing to me because I didn't know how like she fit in with Molly's like I like I guess she's like Molly's assistant with her something like that yeah or she hires her part time to do stuff I don't know yeah I think it becomes more clear in the coming episodes but mm-hmm. at that point it's just like oh she works for her okay cool um I do want to mention that Molly has this plan to revitalize the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's an admirable plan. Um, and like in the last episode, she had asked her sister um, for, you know, uh, to borrow on like the equity of their parents' house or something. Yeah. Um, and I think she had already done it. Right. <laughs> um, so that was kind of a, a big thing. I think we kind of glazed over that when we reviewed the episode. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, um, I do want to point out that I I like the juxtaposition of Molly's plan for revitalizing Castle Rock um, compared against Warden Lacey's imprisonment of the kid. Like, I kind of feel like both of the characters are motivated out of a kind of a respect or reverence for the town. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, <laughs> but they clearly take very different approaches toward <laughs> actually protecting the town. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know if like that's, do you think that there's a connection there or am I reaching? Cause it kind of feels like maybe Molly's more out of greed, but it's like she wants she wants to revitalize the town and, and Warren Lacey just wanted to protect it from evil. I th- I think you're stretching a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason, the reason is cause I'm not sure what Molly's motivations are for wanting to revitalize yeah. the town so bad. I mean, I, I don't necessarily understand why she has that level of civic pride mm-hmm. cause she's not, Ooh, I think I know, but go ahead. Okay. Well, cause Sorry. she, she's not, um, <laughs> Again, she's not like she doesn't seem like a very happy person. Like she has mm-hmm. this huge uh, secret or this this ability to like read people and whatever you want to call it, and it's it, she sees it as a negative and she doesn't like it and it makes her kind of a weird person and mm-hmm. she has to like take drugs to keep it at bay and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's just weird that she would focus on revitalization. I don't really get it. And I, I think I think I can kind of shed some light on that. Okay. Um. And and I will kind of expand on that a little bit when we when we talk about her kind of out 
burst on the TV show, but I, we have more things to talk about before that. But, um, I think like my read of that, like kind of talking it out and, and, you know, with you now is that she is an empath and she has this, this psychic ability that's, uh, that's where she, she feels the emotions and everything about everyone in the town. And I feel like maybe her motivation for wanting to revitalize the town and everything is just to keep like the negative spirit of the town at mm. bay. Like, I think that in her own way, like she thinks that by redoing main street and making, making uh, the community a lot better, it'll keep the darkness at bay. And I think that that's why I kind of associated that with, with Warden Lacey literally keeping the kid imprisoned to presumably leave the darkness at bay and not unleashing it on Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that there's, I think that that, that, I mean, that's, that's what I read into it. And that's what I'm kind of thinking about now that we're talking about it. Okay. Um, does that make sense at all? Yeah, a little bit. And plus just the fact that she feels everyone's emotions. If everyone around her is sad, she's also going to be it, sad. Exactly. So she makes everyone happier. She's, you know, it's a cause and effect thing. Right. Oh yeah. So, and kind of on that same subject about her being empathetic and having a strong, uh, empathic connection with people. Um, perhaps her strongest empathy or em- empathic connection is with Henry right. when they're kids. And like, um, she, it's, you know, revealed that she murdered his dad because she has a strong, uh, connection with Henry. And then we also see glimpses of Henry and his father and his dad asking if he hears it while they're, they're walking in the woods. And at this point we have no context for that. It's very mysterious. Mm-hmm. And I kind of really dug that because that's, that's, that's just enough information to whet our appetite for yeah. what it could possibly mean. Um, how'd you feel about the, the flashbacks and, and the way that the show unfurls the, the history of the characters? Um, I think it's, Again, I think it's kind of uh, peeling away at the ambiguity of uh, Matthew Deaver. I think it's, um, in a way, anyways, it's a very slow build to that. Mm-hmm. That's what it ends up being, you know, towards the end of the episode, uh, end of the season. Um, it's it's a slow build to that, but you're right. It's it's intriguing. The fact you mm-hmm. know that do you hear a thing is very. It's like. Yeah. Well, where's it going to go? There's just yeah. so much. It, it was all. It almost like frustrated me the first like three or four episodes of the show because yeah. it's like it just because it built it built it built mm-hmm. so slowly. Um, like every great Stephen King novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's the flashbacks are key. I'm, I'm a fan mm-hmm. of flashbacks in general. Yeah, especially when they're used right, mm-hmm. uh, used properly, and and the fact that this the event of Henry Deaver going missing was such a it's such a pivotal event in the history of the town mm-hmm. that you know I'm glad they're actually giving us flashbacks to it and it's not Absolutely. just it's not just some vague thing that's being referenced every once in a while mm-hmm. like we're getting actual pieces of it um it's 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 satisfying but again it's slow yeah and we talked so. a lot about the kind of connection to lost um in the last in our last review of of the show but I mean, it's, it's, it's no secret that like it's, it's right out of the J.J. Abrams playbook, uh, the J.J. Abrams mystery box playbook, yeah. uh, that they're doing it this way. And like, I, I love the show for that because I, like we were huge fans of Lost and this feels like, this feels so much like, uh, like, like what Lost was. 
Yeah, um, it does. To me. And like in a future episode, we're going to talk a lot about Lost and, and connections to, uh, to Castle Rock too, I think. Um, but for now, uh, I, I liked the glimpses we got of Henry's past with his father and, and Molly's connection with him and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do want to bring up, I feel like the, sh- the episode kind of, uh, got bogged down a little bit or slowed down quite a bit when, we had the scene where Molly goes to find Derek, the kid who's like the supplier for the drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wants, she, she tries to get drugs from him. Um, I feel like that slowed things down because I did not understand what the hell was going on. Me either. Yeah. Basically she walks into a barn where these kids have like masks and like, like Halloween masks and like paper mache masks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a fake, trial and yeah it's it's weird and like the best i could think of because obviously if you listen to episode 19 we haven't read every stephen king work but i kind of it felt like maybe they were going for potentially like a children of the corn reference yeah but that i feel like is a stretch that i'm just trying to make a connection out of something that i wasn't really that into in the episode maybe how did you, yeah how did you feel about that i thought it was just way too out of left field mm-hmm. i didn't know what was going on either um i mean it's, it was creepy yeah definitely a creepy thing uh but it was just and i feel like it wasn't wasn't really explained um or it wasn't at least explained well yeah. So I, I honestly, I didn't really care for it because I just, it was just, mm-hmm. like I said, it was just too weird. It was too out of left field yeah. that I couldn't, I couldn't appreciate it at all. So I, I didn't really like it. Me, me neither. And like the first time I watched the episode, it was like, I was, I was so excited for the show and everything mm-hmm. uh, that I was staying up really late to watch the show. And like, that was the moment in the episode where I was like, I've got to go to bed and <laughs> I've, I'm going to try it again. Cause I'm I, like, I was dozing off and I was like, wait, what the, f- what is going on with these kids? Like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Um, it just felt kind of out of place and it didn't, it didn't really fit, fit in the episode for me. Um, but it does lead to Molly getting arrested and, uh, and Henry having to bail her out of the jail. And I, I do want to point out there's an, there's a scene where Melanie, Linsky, who plays Molly, kind of comes clean to Henry about their history, about her her abilities and everything. Um, and she's she's just kind of frantic and and um, like it's it's a it's an incredible scene. Melanie Linsky is 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 incredible. She's, she's great. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the way that Andre Holland, who plays Henry, uh, his performance reacting to her is so great because he has this blank stare, like what uh what yeah um and like it's just it's it's a really great kind of back and forth with them where one of the one of the people engaged in the conversation isn't really speaking they're just reacting yeah, right um really great scene it was a great moment because the uh it's like one of the first times in the first three episodes of the show that people are the two characters are really just speaking very candidly to one another absolutely like there's so much subtext throughout the show mm-hmm. which is great i love the subtext and i feel like everyone's like got some secret that they're hiding yeah but like you can tell they're hiding a secret mm-hmm. but nobody's talking about it it's, right. it's kind of like this it's very dairy main 
It's like a very dairy main thing where everyone's like, there's something going on here, but I don't know what it is. And I'm afraid to talk about it. Yeah. But this is like the first time she's like, I can hear thoughts. Like, yeah. Like someone just comes out and says exactly what's going on. And it's, it's such a, it's really raw, very Mm -hmm. raw moment. And oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, the two actors hit it out the park. Yeah. So, and, and the way that Henry is like, even though it's raw and it's like, it's what you want out of a show, like what, what the audience is wanting a character to do. Cause like you said, they're just saying what they're thinking and they're, they're being upfront about it and they're moving it along. But the way that Henry just reacts to it, it's like, you realize like he can't, like that doesn't really sink in the way that you would expect it to because mm-hmm. he's having a realistic reaction, like thinking like, what, like what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, yeah. It's really, it's really a good, a good kind of uh, a scene there. But totally. Yeah, but then he gets her to the TV station. That's where she has the outburst on air where she talks about how the prison is uh, concealing a kid without uh, without due process or anything and, and how, like, the whole town needs to, you know, get its head out of its ass or, or whatever she said. Mm-hmm. Um, what did, I have some thoughts on the... Uh, on the outburst. Well, what did you think of it just in general? Well, it was really candid and you know, mm-hmm. it's again, it's a moment, it's, it's a moment of direct candor amongst all the secrecy and, mm-hmm. you know, shadows stuff, stuff happening in the shadows. Um, so it, it was good for that reason. Um, but it also, I don't know. It also felt like more of that, like kind of conspiracy stuff. Yeah, like it's like oh, there's something shady going on, but gone up, at, going on up at Shawshank, you know. Um, so it was intriguing for that reason. But mm-hmm. uh, and and I felt like I the part where Henry just kind of like jumps into action in order to get her to her show mm-hmm. was a really interesting character moment because I feel like Henry is pretty selfish. Like he's he's a pretty selfish character. Yeah, he kind of is. Most of what he does is in pursuit of his own pursuits and Mm -hmm. it's like what he wants to know and what he wants to find out and it's kind of a way for him to just get this thing wrapped up so he can get out of there because he has all these negative feelings associated with the town but that moment was just a a clear a clear reaction of like this is my friend and i need to set aside all my bullshit and just help Mm -hmm. her out and he does that and i thought that was like just just kind of a fun character moment and like a very a very candid moment. Um, that's, that was kind of my, almost like my, my favorite part about that is it kind of gave him some depth. Yes, it absolutely. Was, was Cause good. like, I don't really like Henry that much. I, right. think, I think he's just, he's kind of a dick and like, I, yeah. I, I don't really like him that much. Um, and so the fact that our main character had like a, a nice moment of heroism was mm-hmm. made that scene special, but the actual outburst, I, I didn't know what to think of it. I think it was mm-hmm. just the culmination of so much pent up, whatever amongst um, uh, from Molly. And that's what I was going to ask. Cause I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Um, is cause, cause it comes from a place where she, like she was trying to score drugs. She can like, like you said, it's all pent up and everything, but I wanted to ask kind of a, a, a question. Um, the outburst itself where she's like revealing to the audience of the town that, you know, there's a kid being, secluded and and Shawshank and everything. And there's a cover up and everything. Um, is that strictly from Molly? Is that strictly her just going off the rails and like not being able to hold back or anything? Or is that a compulsion from the kid himself? Like a, a psychic kind of thing where he's 
trying to to you know get the ball moving with getting out. Um, I don't think so because. <laughs> Well, it's tricky because I know how the season ends. Know, like we've yeah. seen all the other episodes, so it's like <laughs> at the time that's what I thought. I okay. thought I thought yeah, like it's it was part part of that was the kid controlling her, right? Like, you know, because she's an empath, he knows it, and he's like mm-hmm. sending her these thoughts and these these vibes, and like that that's what I thought at the time, and mm-hmm. I think. I think that's what the show kind of made it seem like. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they did it pretty well and mm. I, it was intriguing. I liked it. Right. Um, you know, I, I think the early, the early, these early episodes, what they did with the kid is they, you know, made him seem very evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really you don't know what his motivations are. Yeah. Um, he seems evil, but he, like, yeah, I don't mean to cut you off, but ambiguous. Seems, yeah. So much ambiguity in the show. And, yeah. It, it seems like he's evil, but it also seems like he doesn't have any control over that. He's along for the ride, just like yeah, everybody exactly. else is. Right. Yeah. And I think um, that's what the show does really well is it has this, like you said, ambiguity to his character because he's like the central mysterious character. Mm-hmm. So like you can't have him outright, you know, it's and I hate to keep bringing this up and everything, but it reminds me of Lost. Like mm. to a to an extent, and granted, it's been a while since I've really watched Lost. But like Ben Linus, when he's first introduced, you don't know if he's he's good or evil. Right. And like there are moments where, you know, in the that run of episodes when he's first introduced, where he's being basically tortured for information, and he has this cover story, and like you don't know if he's good or bad, but it feels like he's bad, but he's convincing that he's, that he's good. It's, it's kind of that kind of thing is at play here with the kid. Cause right. even though he's not, he's not really trying to do anything to, to promote like a cover story or anything, but he's, he's not reacting. And that's like the best way to kind of spread this, this paranoia or confusion over his motivations. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Yep, and speaking of the kid, the prison tries to pay him off. Yeah. <laughs> um so he basically they basically offer him a settlement and Henry doesn't want any of it cuz he uh I think his his um reaction is that like uh they're going to they're going to pay him off um but like he didn't do anything like it's they didn't do anything. So like there's a scene where he's talking to the kid through the through the phone in the window and I just love this 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 uh this line where Henry's like they want to try to they want to try to give you money to shut you up or whatever and then he says uh uh I think we should try uh, um oh uh, it was a typo um he says I think we should employ the tried and true legal strategy of go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a, that was a kind of good line. Totally. Um, but that like, I, I love that line, but then the kid actually, like he speaks to him and he says, he asks, uh, Henry how old he is. Mm-hmm. And then he asks if he hears it now, Yeah, which I think is such a great way totally. to like, I wish that that was the end of the episode. Cause there's one other scene that we'll get to in a second, but, if the episode had a, like one or two more flashbacks of Henry's dad telling him, like asking him if he hears it and then ends with, with the kid asking him if he hears it, like that would have been a killer ending for the episode. But, um, but I love that we have that connection of, of that, 
that kind of weirdness there. Yeah. Um, but the actual ending, and then we'll move on to the box, is uh, Molly is in her house and she's haunted by the presence of Matthew Deaver. Um, like she hears something or something and then she looks in the hallway and he's there like wrapped in bandages and mm-hmm. says something and like it ends. I, it, that felt cheap to me. Like, yeah. Sort of, it was sort of like an easy, easy scare, cheap scare, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, cheap, yeah, I, I, yeah, I get that. I thought so. I thought it was still pretty scary though. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that's fair. It, and it was like, yeah, it was cheap. It really was. Mm. Like I can't, I can't defend it. But for whatever reason, it kind of worked for me. And see, that's. I think that that's what Hulu was banking on. Yeah. Because it really feels like I like I would. I have no way to corroborate this. This is purely just a an opinion or, or a, a theory of mine. But I kind of feel like the original ending was supposed to be. Like Henry and the kid speaking at prison. And then I feel like Hulu's like, Hey guys, um, this is the third episode. We release our episodes three at a time at the beginning. We need something extra here to kind of keep people, like make people want to wait the week to, to watch the next episode or make, make it yeah. so that they want the next episode immediately. Right. Um, and that, that's just how it came across. Cause it, in the grand scheme of things, it kind of feels hollow to me. Um, cause it doesn't really have any payoff in the next episode right. at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so. it's, it, it was definitely cheap. Yeah. But in terms of production design, it was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. just it kind of felt a little out of place, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, so that's episode three. That's, uh, uh, local color. Um, some good mm-hmm. stuff there. Um, some stuff that didn't really fit for me, but it still had me engaged and everything. Uh, definitely missing, uh, Alan Pangborn in that episode. Um, which is great because the next episode, the box has a lot of them. Yes. Um, uh, so yeah, so let's go right into episode four, the box. Uh, this episode was dropped on Hulu on August 1st and director was Michael Appendle. Um, he directed the first two episodes of Castle Rock and he directed five episodes of Fargo, which, um, is, is kind of cool. Cause like he, he kind of has the corner on directing like these anthology shows. Cause he also directed nine American horror story episodes. Wow. Yeah. Um, he directed 11 Mad Men, three episodes of scream Queens and uh, an episode of the walking dead. Um, writer for the episode was Scott Brown, who was credited with two episodes of sharp objects on HBO. Um, have you watched any of that? No. Oh, okay. I've heard really good things. A limited series based on Gillian Flynn's novel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they are showing promos for the next season of The Walking Dead, though. Oh, yeah. I could not be less enthused for that I, show. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of vaguely interested in it. The same way that, like, if I catch wind of something that happened, like, I don't, I don't watch the show, but I'm kind of curious to, as someone who hates spoilers and everything, mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to read about what happens in the show just to see what I'm missing. Cause I gave up on the show a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I know like Andrew Lincoln's leaving the season. Right. So is, uh, uh, Lauren Cohen. So, okay. Yeah. But anyway, um, well, do you want to start a walking dead cast? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, episode four, the box, the plot description is Henry. Pepe- wow. I'm going to take that again. Henry prepares for his day in court uh, and a coffin arrives in castle rock so um let's talk in just general terms and just say this episode was kind of awesome yeah um for several reasons and we'll go point by point through my notes here but um right off the bat 
Zalewski's stuff, especially the ending, was really cool. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, and I just, I, I love, love, love the scenes between Alan Pangborn and Henry. Um, so yeah, so, uh, before we get into the different points, I have a lot of notes for this. Um, you do. Yeah. Um, uh, what did you think of the episode overall, real quick, before we dive into it? Um, this, I, I feel like this is where the show really started to take off. Mm-hmm. I think they started, like, cutting through some of the ambiguity and, like, yeah. um, diving into a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. um, c- confronting some of the conflict, I think. Yeah. Um, t- taking it head on. So I think it was, it's, it, it was the right point to start doing it. I think, you know, the first three episodes were a lot of setup, and that's, that's fine. I'm not critical of that. Um, but this is the point where you needed to start. You know that some of that conflict needed to start coming to a head, right? Um, and and it does, <laughs> it does in this yeah. show, this uh, this episode. So. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And I, it's yeah. <laughs> Without spoiling it, it's kind of hard to talk about it. Uh, the ending and everything, right? But uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah. The, there's so we'll talk about Zalewski later, but there's a scene at the beginning of the episode where this kind of slimy suit from the prison the guy that Justin yeah suit. uh he's such a douchebag and just evilish just, yeah evil yeah. douchebagish um in like the way that Bill Skarsgård plays the scene mm-hmm. is so cool like he is so creepy and and just unsettling like he i think the only thing he says to him is a piece of scripture that he quotes. He says he, ha- <laughs> I'm going to try to do a Bill, Bill Skarsgård impression. He has the name written on him, which no one knows, but himself <laughs> It's like just so unsettling. Yeah. And, uh, he's just, he, he does such a great job playing the creepy character. Right. Um, and like, I love that we have him as Pennywise playing it big. And then we have him as the kid playing it just, just really subtle and unnerving. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just really cool. Yeah. Both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then, and then we kind of move on to Pangborn and Henry. Um, I just, I, I love their characterization, their, their connection because they have such a complicated history. Um, and it's so rich and, and complicated, but neither of them are afraid to call each other out on it. So like they're mm-hmm. very direct with each other. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I love that there's, there's stuff, um, like they're, they're locating Henry's dad's grave and marking it. And like, they're kind of going back and forth and Henry's like adamant about bringing his mom back to Texas with him. And Pangborn does not want that, like, cause he cares about her and everything. And he's just like, you're gonna, you're gonna put her in a, in a home and everything. And like, fuck that. She's not going anywhere. She fucking lives here and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later when she, when he, we get both sides of Pangborn as he's, he's being stern and very direct with Henry. And then he's very sweet with Ruth and he like floats the idea of relocating, uh, with her to Texas. And it's just, it has a sweetness to it because it shows that he cares deeply about her. Um, but he has kind of too much pride to really let Henry know that he's 
that he's actually okay with the idea. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just a cool dynamic at play. What, what did you think of, of their scenes, at least in the beginning of the episode? We'll dive into it a little bit later too. Yeah. They're, they are very direct with one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's great about their scenes together. Um, and I feel like they both, they both harbor this animosity towards one another. And it's not even like, like, I think I think normally a guy like Henry Deaver in his situation with his mother having you know dementia or Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. he normally that son would be incredibly grateful that this random guy or this you know this this person is helping his mother and preventing her from having a tragic life and still still you know taking taking care of her and everything and not only. Not only taking care of her, but wanting to take care of her. Yeah, and and it's 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 a like you said, it's very sweet. It's a very mm-hmm. nice thing that he does, and Henry should be ecstatic about that. But because of their history, right, it, it throws this whole wrench into the thing. And then there's this, they, they they always butt heads whenever they're together, and it's, you know, we find out eventually, it's because the, because of their history and 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 what what Pangborn knows about Henry. Um, and then Henry mm-hmm. thinks there's this, he thinks that basically Pangborn stole his mother from right. his, his father. And, you know, there's just this, there's this undertone that you know is there, you know it's there, but you don't know exactly what it is necessarily. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it, it comes to the surface, but no one's direct about it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's like they tiptoe around it, but at, at the same time, you know, there's animosity there. And it's, it's interesting to see, to see the way that develops over the episodes. And I think it really starts to heat up in, in this fourth episode. Absolutely. And the, uh, he's also very, very much, um, concerned that Pangborn is trying to take advantage of Ruth. And it's, it's very protective. Like, like you, it's, it's just a really interesting, rich dynamic. Yeah. Um, that's made all the more complicated by, um, the uh history that the characters share yeah totally. um yeah but i do want to mention real quick while we're uh, while we're at that point and i'm going to go on a little bit of a soapbox i guess i don't know if a soapbox is really the right way but um did you i don't know if you remember but like there's a scene where they get like it's going into the house right before um pangborn talks to ruth about um, relocating there's the TV is on and there's a there's a clip that's played from a very specific TV show did you pick up on this at all no okay because I don't think you've seen this episode of the show but uh, of the show that I'm about to say but the it's a very deliberate clip that's put into the show um, it is a clip from the season two episode of the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. called the howling man okay and that's it's one thing that's it's it's I wouldn't say that it's a point of contention for me with this, with the season, with the series as a whole or this season of Castle Rock as a whole, but the idea of the show being about this, this person who may or may not be the, the devil or evil incarnate and whether or not they should, you know, keep him concealed or like destroy him or let him free. Um, it's, it's essentially the Howling Man. <laughs> okay, like that is the episode of the Twilight Zone. It's it's about this guy who 
goes to a um like I think it's a like a monastery or something. Like he's a, he's a he's an American like hiker who got lost and he goes into this this monastery or or whatever it's called. I think ah, there was a word for it, but um and they that like he discovers that there's this man that's in a cell being held against his well uh, being held against his will and the guy's begging him to let him free and then the guy like the head of the uh monastery or whatever it is um explains to him that he is that this person is the devil and if you let him go he will destroy the world and he's like he's he's been responsible for both world wars and all the war that's that's going on and the reason we've had peace is because he has been locked in here and like if you let him out he will like it's it's the same exact thing Hmm. so like i appreciate that castle rock is paying homage to the twilight zone and i appreciate that they are like making like they're they're doing it in a way that like they're they're not they're not cheapening it or they're not um cribbing from it because they're they're right it's right in our face there like there's a scene from that episode of the twilight zone it's deliberately put in the show as as a point of um kind of a wink at the audience and also kind of i feel like it's a kind of a thing of respect like oh this this show did this before hmm. um but it kind of makes me feel a little i don't know it it makes me feel a little um, uneasy or disappointed that the show is Castle Rock is a Stephen King multiverse show. It's a show that is inspired by the work of Stephen King and it's and it tells interconnecting stories and it's it's about the town of Castle Rock. Yet the main point of the entire season, like the main plot device of the entire season, isn't from a Stephen King book that I'm aware of, because Stephen King could have paid homage to to the Twilight Zone, that particular Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. But it's essentially an episode of the Twilight Zone in Stephen King's world. And I just feel like that's that feels a little wrong, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So do, anyway, do, how do you feel about Interesting. that? Interesting. Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get the reference because I'm not familiar with that episode, The Twilight Zone. But... Check out anthologypod.com. <laughs> <laughs> have you talked about that episode on the podcast? Uh, I have. Yeah, okay. I reviewed it. It was before my long, long hiatus, which I'm coming back to anthology. I promise. <laughs> did you see the preview for uh, Jordan Peele's? Yeah, show? I did. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh my god, I am so pumped. I bet. But yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have a frame of reference for it, so I hadn't really mm-hmm. given it any thought. I, I. I really don't have anything to say mm-hmm. about it because I didn't really know until you just explained all that. Yeah. So does it affect your perception of the show? Like, did I just ruin the show for you? Or no, you feel no, like not was... a, not at all. Okay. I, I think maybe if I had seen that episode of The Twilight Zone, I might it might I might could've have hindered some, it a little bit. Yeah, could have. Yeah, mm-hmm. had had a negative effect on it. But no, I uh, I'm indifferent to it really. Sure. Yeah. Um. There is something I was going to say, um, cause I don't think, I didn't bring it up in the last episode, but I can't, like, it's something that I was, I was thinking about Castle Rock sometime after we recorded our first episode reviewing the, uh, the first two episodes. And I had a thought that I tweeted out and everything. And I was so, like, I'm, like, so, I, I want, there's something that I want in terms of a Stephen King adaptation slash, castle rock-esque thing but i can't really say anything 
until we talk about the last episode of this season. So okay. I don't know why I brought that up just now, but um, <laughs> it's just it's frustrating to me because I want to talk about this thing that I want, but like it would be more suitable t- for the end of the season. But anyway, um, yeah. So we talked about the scene in the bar with Zalewski, and just to reiterate, Zalewski's frustration about the prison is like his performance in that scene is great. Like he's he's really good at at um he's really good at kind of playing that like frustrated uh disgruntled employee cuz like he's mm-hmm. he's like well if if we go to the press or if we do this it's going to sound like like Henry's like it's going to sound like you're a disgruntled employee. He's like I am fucking disgruntled. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's great. I love the, the line he says where he's like do you, th- do you think if there was a Walmart within 40 miles of here I'd be working at the prison? Yeah. I was like dang. That was great. Cuz working at Walmart sucks. Right? It's like it's notoriously a ter- terrible job. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, I kind of feel like the only way to make that better is if he's like, if he was like, if there's an Amazon fulfillment center, <laughs> yeah, more poignant, yeah, uh, topical. Or if the White House, uh, anyway, yeah, because um, Trump, I get it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I, and I like that. It kind of seems like that. Uh, the way that Henry doesn't hear him necessarily hear what he's saying because he henry's got his own crap going on mm-hmm. but he doesn't he, it's like he hears him but he doesn't listen to him um i love that that kind of leads zaluski to it it pushes him to kind of confide in or comfort uh comfort the kid um because after that he goes to the prison and he's like he's like hey we're gonna we're gonna get out of here both of us and and you know we're gonna <laughs> this wing is going to be your garage or something like that because you yeah. own the place. And then he does the fist bump. Yeah. Which is so tragic because uh, right. of the ending. Um, yeah. And then we get throughout the episode, we get these little um, scenes. Like There's three of them, I think, where it starts and uh, beginning, middle and end where Zalewski is relieving the guard that's in the in the room with the CCTV. And like she has this little quippy thing each time, like something stupid, like if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Yeah. And then like Zalewski reacts to her each time, and it's like really weird. And it, like even before the fist bump that apparently possessed him or whatever, mm-hmm. it just it it just felt weird. Like yeah, I, it, it it rubbed me the wrong way, and not in I don't know. It was it didn't fit with me. Okay. Um, well, I yeah. I, th- I think the um, it's it's important to kind of further uh, illustrate how Henry's kind of a dick. Um, (laughs) Like you said, Henry doesn't seem especially receptive to the, Mm -hmm. like the corruption and everything that Zalewski's pointing out to him. Right. And I think he, but he, he, he sees that the kid is enthused about it, about that Zalewski is enthused about it. And so he kind of uses him to be like, "Hey, keep an eye on the kid for me, and right. like, help me help me out with this." And you know, it's almost like Zalewski is so miserable at his job that this kind of gives him hope, right? And it gives him something to work towards, yeah. and kind of gives him like a delusion of grandeur a little bit. Yeah, because like he even yeah. says to Henry, like he's, uh, "We're going to get out of here," like he said. Yeah. Well, no, he says to Henry before. Uh, when they're in, like in their cars, like he, he mentions like, Hey, is there like, how long does it take to be a lawyer? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a sweet kind of dumb thing. Right. Um, it's almost like Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Kinda, like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a bird lawyer now. <laughs> I'm a study bird law. <laughs> yeah. But, but, and it's, it's kind of sweet. Like 
in defense of Henry Deaver, um, like the official position is that you think he's a dick, and I'm like, eh, he has some qualities. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he's not hot. I, I'm just, I'm exaggerating a, a little bit. Yeah, I'm yeah. being a dick myself, but, um, but he, it's kind of sweet because he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll write you a recommendation. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll come back to the prison. Uh, there's some stuff like, um, there, there's one scene where Henry is going through the microfiche at, at the library or wherever, and he's looking through old, um, old articles about the town and about Shawshank. And right. there's some stuff there that I kind of wonder is, I wonder if they're kind of seeding things for future seasons. Um, cause he's looking for stuff about his past and everything, but he finds like, there's one article that's prominent, like 1985, like fire at Shawshank or like a Christmas fire at Shawshank. I kind of wonder if like, that's going to lead to, well, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if that's going to seed something for a future season. Like I, I could see like a future season that deals with whatever caused that and be a period piece for the eighties. Hmm. But then again, I also kind of feel like it may be also something seeding for later in the season. Yeah. Um, but in doing that, Henry finds an article about Vince Desjardins. Um, and you haven't read Carrie, have you? I have not. Okay. I wonder if that name is a reference to Carrie. Hmm. Um, because I've never heard the name Desjardins except for in Carrie. Uh, like the gym teacher's name is Miss Desjardins. Okay. Um, I, th- I just think it's just like a named reference or whatever. Could but... be. Just like Jackie Torrance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what did you think of the whole scene with Desjardins and also the history of Shawshank and stuff, if you want to touch on that, because I've been kind of talking. Yeah, yeah, well, it was really creepy, the whole mm-hmm. Desjardins thing. I mean, I... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's again, it's, it's throwing up all these theories and like giving you all these little snippets of information. And it's, it's like, was he held captive by, you know, was he held captive at this place? I, hell if I know, I don't know, but it, there's right. a freaking cage in the back of the house. And that guy was super creepy mm-hmm. and had his police file. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's like they're throwing all these snippets of information at us. Yeah. And this was another thing that was like, I, I'm not sure what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. If I should look into this that much, like as, as the, an audience member of the show, I'm not really sure what I should take away from that. I felt, I felt the same way. And I felt like upon rewatching it, I kind of felt like the whole, that whole subplot was kind of, cause it's just a one, one episode thing. Yeah. And I felt like it was just kind of a time waster or, or really? filler thing. I did not like it. I kind of liked it, but and it that's was. What I, yeah. I just don't know what to do with it. it ex- that's exactly yeah, how I feel. Cause right. like it was creepy. It was like unsettling. Cause like he's, I mean, the place is a mess and yeah. the guy is creepy and, and like he has the folder, like he has the box with all the stuff. And then there's the reveal that he's lived there the whole time and his brother didn't never lived there. Mm-hmm. But like it just felt like it was kind of empty a little bit because it kind of feels like. Uh, because uh, there's a whole setup of like, oh, uh, Desjardins brother has a sealed record. So he has a felony, but he, they can't figure out what it was. And then you come to the house and like his brother's just like, oh yeah, it was for insurance fraud. It's nothing. Uh, okay. And I kind of feel like the, at the end of that sequence, they make it seem like, oh, maybe, maybe this Vince Desjardins is the guy that was, was responsible for everything. But by that time, I kind of feel like they already discredited or uh dismissed that kind of subplot as as a possibility for it um i kind of like i kind of feel like the reveal that joseph desjardins is the the brother's name that lived there um the reveal that he always lived in that house not his brother 
it's a little iffy, especially on repeat viewings. Um, like I like that the scene turns a bit, like the music gets more ominous as Henry realizes along with the audience that this man is the guy who may have taken him as opposed to Vince Desjardins. Um, but that's only like a little piece of it because like we know within reason that he's not involved because it's the fourth episode of the, of the season. And there's a character we are just learning about. Like it's, it's very slim chance that he's going to be involved in any way. Um, so I didn't know if we were supposed to be nervous or uncomfortable or what in that scene. Um, but I guess nervous is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Again, I don't know what to do with the information they gave us. Yeah. There, the whole Desjardins thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and to kind of bounce back to, uh, talking about Ruth, um, there's a scene where she confronts Henry after, after, um, after, uh, Pangborn has a conversation with her, she confronts him about moving her to Texas. And I, I love that scene because first of all, Sissy Spacek is amazing. She is. Like, I mean, this, the whole season, her, her performance was like, I would say award worthy, like mm-hmm. Emmy, like I hope she gets a nomination for an Emmy. Yeah. Uh, she was incredible. And we'll talk more about that later in the, in the, in the episodes. But, um, I love that scene because I feel like that's showing that Ruth is a lot more perceptive than she seems. Like she's not just this helpless old lady with dementia. She like has, she has enough of her mental faculties to know like when she's, you know, being uh, lied to by, by Alan or, when she knows that Henry is kind of uh, going behind her back to an extent, mm-hmm. um, yeah. What, what did you What do you think is this space? I, I I thought it was great too because uh, again she's been um, she's been such a subtle character mm. uh, up to this point in the show. I don't feel like she's had a lot of um, she hasn't had a lot of confrontational moments like this. You know, right. she's been it's been a lot of uh, like oh hey mom how, how are you kind of stuff and like not. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of meat there. You know, right. There's been a little bit of Henry like, hey, why did daddy just take me out in the woods? There's been a little bit of yeah. that, but it's all very like kind of coy mm-hmm. and not very direct. Yeah. But this was just her like, hey, WTF, bro. You know, right. she really came out and it was, it needed to happen with her character. I think she was, mm-hmm. she was getting a little stale. Yeah, totally. Um, so it needed to happen. And it was, yeah, again, this, this fourth episode was a lot of, Things that needed to happen happened, I guess. Yeah. Um, to keep the show driving, driving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a big example of it. Totally. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Molly and, uh, her selling Lacey's house. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to touch on a couple things real quick first. One is that. Um, we'll talk more about that couple that's looking at the house mm-hmm. later in the season because okay. it's so awesome. Yeah. Um, and also the, the, the man of the couple, did you recognize him? Um, yeah, I knew I'd seen him before, but I didn't know where from. Okay. Do you know now or anything? Uh, no. Okay. He played, uh, and this is a deep cut. <laughs> uh, he played the, one of the romantic interests in the early seasons. Uh, one of the romantic one of the romantic interests of one of the central characters in a nineties sitcom, uh, in the early seasons of the sitcom, uh, in that show was wings. <laughs> he played, um, <laughs> he played an investor named Davis Lynch, um, who, who wooed Helen. 
That is a deep pull. It is. Oh, yeah. From the depths. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dang. Um, and also, while we're kind of on that similar thing, do you did you recognize the actor who played uh, Joseph Desjardins? No, not at all. Okay. I, like, it was, like, both times I watched the episode, I was like, I know him from something. And I looked him up both times. I just didn't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the attorneys in uh, The Social Network. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, okay. the, he's the guy that... Um, Jesse Eisenberg. He's like, do I have your attention? Yeah. Uh, he's like, uh, I did I attention? adequately, did I adequately answer your condescending question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, God, that movie's so good. That is a good one. Yeah. But also kind of the big thing I want to talk about with this scene is, uh, it's kind of a light scene. It's fun. Cause it's, cause she's hiding all the paraphernalia of Lacey's death, including his yeah, remains right. <laughs> that she puts in the fridge. Yeah. Um, and she has this kind of one-off line or this, this kind of casual line when it comes to light that, you know, that Lacey's dead and this is his house. Cause she's like, she says like a mass strangler killed himself in my bathroom mm-hmm. and there's nothing there. And obviously do you, do you know the reference? Right, yeah, from Dead Zone. Yeah, yeah. the Castle Rock Strangler. Right, Castle Rock Strangler. Um, which I, I love that. It's just, it's things like that that's cool that Molly lives in God's house. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'll probably uh, static that out so you don't hear it. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, 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 in, even down to like the wardrobe of the actors of the couple, like, hmm. the, like she's like kind of, she looks like kind of a high society kind of waspy character. She has like a, a a sweater that's tied around her her neck. Yeah, very. Yeah, and he's like clearly like a professor guy. It's just mm-hmm. I love how out of place they they are um, in in the setting of Castle Rock or Castle County even. Right. Um. It's so it's so cool, but. Like that could have been all that they had for that for that couple, and it would have been satisfying to me. But like later on in the season, like I, we'll talk. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we get another um confrontation scene between Henry and uh Pangborn, and this was kind of the culminate. This was maybe one of my favorite scenes of the series or of the season because we got Pangborn. Uh, he's just, he's just working on a fence or something, doing like manly stuff. And then Henry comes up and he's like, uh, he confronts him about, oh, cause he's like, why didn't you do your fucking job and dig into Desjardins? Like, why didn't you, why didn't you do your due diligence there? Like, why didn't you do your job? And like, it's so great because like we said, like they're direct with each other and like Scott Glenn, oh, he's so great. Yes. He flips it around and he's just like. I've been I've been doing my fucking job for 27 years because uh the last thing that Matthew told him before he died was he wrote on a note saying Henry did it. <laughs> and so he's been protecting Henry this whole time. Right. And it's just great. And like he ends that uh he ends that interchange cuz um Henry walks away and then, <laughs> and uh and then Scott Glenn like Pangborn says you're the one who dug up Desjardins. I'm just here trying to keep this fucking fence from falling down. Yeah. So, like, really? God damn it, he's great. He is. Yeah. What did you think of that whole confrontation scene and, and the interplay between Henry and Pangborn? Yeah, I I love it because it's, it's like Pangborn is 
working with the or interacting with Henry with the with the assumption that Henry obviously he he thinks that Henry knows exactly what happened to him while yeah. he was missing and that he you know he he knows exactly what happens he he thinks Henry knows that Pangborn has been protecting him all these years mm-hmm. but he doesn't and then you know the, the the opposite from Henry's perspective, and it's yeah. just like it's the that clashing of those all these assumptions where they're so direct with each other, but if they would actually just have a conversation, right. they could clear a lot of shit up, yeah. and there wouldn't be so much animosity towards mm-hmm. between the two of them. I think they could come to more of an understanding of each other and be a lot more friendly. Mm-hmm. But it's just funny they're they're working with these op these uh, assumptions, mm-hmm. and it's like they they both think that each one of them is kind of a piece of shit for not right. not owning up to what they did in the past and it's just it's just this odd dynamic you know it's it's so it, it leads to some huge some really dramatic moments like this like where yeah. you know just you're trying to keep a fucking fence from falling down you're the one who's digging shit up from the past right we both know what happened wink wink yeah but really kenry's like what are you talking about like it's just, it's just I don't know. It's just, it's such an odd dynamic. It really is. And it's so. The clash is just strange. And yeah. It's, it's compelling as hell. And it's so interesting because they're so direct with each other. They're mm-hmm. so upfront about just their disdain for each other. But it's just amazing that like, like Pangborn thinks that like he's been working under the assumption that Henry murdered his father. Yeah. The entire time. And like his assumption is that Henry knows that and Henry's been shielding that or from like he's been carrying that with him for all these years. Henry doesn't have a fucking clue. Right. <laughs> like it's just it's such an interesting dynamic. I I, I really love that mm-hmm. scene. And you can't say enough how great Scott Glenn is. You really can't. He's he's out of this world. Absolutely. Um Yeah, so and then we get Henry uh going over to Molly's and and kind of uh appealing to her and and trying to like i i like that because he's he's at his most vulnerable like he thinks at this point he's like shit did i kill my dad like is this what's going on and like he goes and that's another interesting dynamic he goes to molly for comfort not really knowing that she's the one that killed his dad right it's just such an interesting dynamic and it's implied that they sleep together yeah i guess but it's uh it's it's interesting what what did you think of uh, th- that yeah it's it's like it's it's funny because it's it's kind of like henry henry has these confidants that he doesn't know are his confidants mm-hmm. or like he doesn't realize how much they know about him right and it's i don't know it's like it's funny because like i feel like so much so much of the conflict in the show could just be solved if people would just sit down and have a conversation an honest conversation yeah with each other but they don't and so there's all this confusion and all this crap, but uh, but yeah, it's it, it leads to some some pretty dramatic moments like this where he mm-hmm. he talks to her. So, in that dynamic where it's like if people would just talk to one another, is like one of the reasons why I loved Lost so much. Yeah, and why I'm really loving this show because it feels like it's carrying on that legacy. Right. Um. God, I love this show. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So when I first watched the episode, we're kind of going down to the ending here. Um, when I first watched the episode, I kind of felt like Henry waking up and, and wanting to take the settlement. Um, I kind of felt like that was a little sudden and a little weak in terms of plotting. But like when rewatching it and, and realizing that it's because he thinks he was responsible for his dad's death, um, it really kind of hammers it home and, and makes it seem makes it a lot easier to 
to kind of buy into. Did you have any of those reservations, or how did you feel about his uh, 180 once he woke up? Yeah, shit's just getting too real. He has yeah. to he has to get out of there. He has oh, to yeah. run. That's that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that's that's exactly that's what what's happening. That's so great. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just gets it, it, stuff. Just gets too real. So he's like, I'm I'm done with my principles. Let's just take this deal and get out of here. Yeah. I mean, then that's like you know all all the conflict he's had with with especially with Molly and Pangborn just builds up to that moment. Mm-hmm. So. And do you think, because after that we get, obviously, the big moment where Zalewski massacres the, the guards in, in the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, it's after he has fist bumped, uh, he fisted the kid. <laughs> um, and so it's like implied that he, you know, inherited the evilness of the kid. Right. Um, but I kind of wonder, like, is there um, a connection to be drawn between his... Um, Rampage and Molly's outburst on local color in the last episode, because I kind of want to ask the same question I asked about that scene in the previous episode is, did he do that because he was at the end of his rope and like, he just, he just wanted it to be over. Like he was that, he was that fucking disgruntled as he put it, or was it how much of that, how much of it was his own hatred for the position that he's in and the position that the that the prison is in and how mu- versus how much of it was the influence of the kid and and any kind of evil that surrounds the kid i, th- I thought it was i thought it was kind of both i thought it was like mm-hmm. both both forces at play and like the kid kind of pushed him over the edge mm-hmm. um to to get him to go full on rampage and kill a bunch of people yeah um, cuz i feel like you know, most disgruntled employees, uh, gonna throw a sports reference in here. They pull Avante mm-hmm. Davis. Oh, they yeah. Just, they just leave <laughs> during halftime. Sports balls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He retired at like halftime. Yeah. Time. He used to play for the Colts, uh, mm-hmm. and he moved to the, I think the Bills, Buffalo Bills. And he literally was like at halftime, like took his pads off, put his clothes on and left and just quit, which doesn't happen. Right. Um, so I think, he, you know, most, that's what most disgruntled employees do. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just getting the F out of here. They but weren't th- giving him enough bills to pay, play. Hey, play. they probably were though. I, I'm sure that, but no, make a ton of money. like, uh, yeah, I feel like it was both things at play. That, that's what I thought during the episode. Mm-hmm. And like now again, you know, having seen the rest of the season i don't know right it's 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 like was it the kid or was it something else i was ugh, craziness but yeah like i and then the just the, the overall shock value of the scene yes is just odd oddly refreshing i guess because <laughs> this is like a huge action oh like yeah. this is everything's been very much talking and discussing and a lot of you know, playing out the emotions and the drawing up the past and not a lot of action per se. Mm-hmm. And this is like just straight up getting shit done yeah. and in a very disturbing way. But yeah, just, just the shock value of it in the absolute, what the hell? Right. Just really drove it home. And I love the way that that is shown to us all through the CCTV screens. Yes. Like yeah. we track his progress to the prison through that. And then, I just, I love that it, with that song playing in the background. It's just, it's really, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we end the episode with, uh, Zalewski seeing Henry in the warden's office. And then all he says is, I want to testify. And then boom. Right. Flashbang, gunshots, and another Harsh. shot. Yeah. And another <sighs> shot of Andre Holland reacting to things. Yeah. 
Um, just really, really cool. Yeah. Um, also, the guard that he shoots at the end, right before he says, I want to testify, is the guard that we, he was talking about in the beginning of the episode about the payoff and everything and the bonus oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it it's just the show is making a point to end on on big moments and cliffhangers and stuff. Totally. Um and I just I I really appreciated this one um much more than the one in local color. Yeah, and the episode in general, a lot of shit takes off. The show really took off yeah. this episode, I think. Cuz like I was I was surprised to see Zalewski go so quickly. Me too. Um he felt like he was, you know, going to be a bigger character. And another thing that I kind of I can you can nitpick this to death, but I kind of feel like it was a little, uh, like there's, there are a couple of scenes where it establishes that he's, you know, his, he's, he's got a wife and she's expecting their, their kid to be born. Like she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of felt like they, that felt, I wouldn't say sloppy, but it felt like it was just, it wasn't, uh, like it wasn't uh, developed enough. Cause I feel like, they did like the bare minimum, like have him have a few scenes where he's talking about having a kid on the way. Um, as like a source of motivation, yeah. you know, or yeah. like a, a source for us to have, um, an a, emotional connection, yeah, a more yeah. emotional connection or, or yeah. a deeper, uh, empathic response to his, his downfall in the episode. I hadn't thought about that until you just said that, but yeah, it, yeah. It, a little to use that, to use your word again, a little cheap, maybe. Yeah. A little hollow and like, yeah. I mean, you don't, I mean, there's no reason to have his, his wife or anything in the show. Yeah. It just feels like it's just kind of needless backstory that didn't really connect until, right. Until like the end of this episode. But I think in general, he was a really interesting character. And Me like, too. I, I was, anytime they spent time of the episode on Zalewski, I was interested. Like, I really wanted to see where he was going to go. Me too. Um, but yeah, I guess that was a bit of a drop. Yeah, on his character, but uh, but overall, and I love that actor. I can't even think of his name, but yeah, it's like Noel something. I've seen him in a lot of stuff, and he's was he always Shameless. Shameless. Yeah, yes. he's in Shameless. He's really good in Shameless, mm. uh, and he was in that freaking show with. Uh, it was on FX where they were like gypsies. Oh, oh! Uh, what was that show called? Yeah, we watched it. Together. That was a good show. It was a bummer that it got canceled. Yeah, it was like a one season wonder. Um, man, I can't remember with, that was uh, Eddie Izzard, Eddie Izzard and, uh, um, oh, gosh. For time. Yeah. the riches, the riches. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's a really good actor. He's, uh, he's and I, good. I really liked him in, uh, in, uh, in Castle Rock. I think he did a fine job. Absolutely. He was also, uh, Michelangelo in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. I don't know if that's mocap or voice or what yeah i don't know but yeah so overall what did you think of the box and um yeah well, well again it was it was where the sh- i think the show really took off mm-hmm. was this episode and it just you know a lot of things came to a lot of things came to a head and realizations were had and mm-hmm. and people died yeah <laughs> very just like any good episode of television has right yeah so big episode yeah all right well that'll do it for this episode of cat of uh, Tower Junkies. Uh, it's been so long, I don't remember the name of the podcast. Yeah, right. Um, Mercer. Right? Uh, thank Lord you guys. of Mercer. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, next time, so here in like three months, we're going to review episodes five <laughs> and six of Castle Rock Season 1. That's uh, Harvest and Filter. Um, 
yeah and and uh yeah so let us know what you think of castle rock and uh you know in these episodes and everything once again if you're in indianapolis october 12th 8 p.m playground production studios shocktober in irvington it's going to be a blast tickets are on sale now eight bucks or you can pay at the door um seating is kind of limited we're only selling like 75 tickets total and we've sold quite a bit now so seating is limited so buy now buy early buy often <laughs> um yeah so uh check us out there and at sharktobernormington.com check out our other podcasts at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts and uh, i think that'll do it tiny anything else before we go nope all right well long days and pleasant nights may you have twice the number thank you for listening to tower junkies a dark tower podcast presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at towerjunkiespod or at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. For more podcast content from obsessiveviewer.com, check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at AnthologyPod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.